it's always a good thing to be in God's presence, to gather with God's people. And um, every time we have this opportunity, we must not take it for granted. Praise God. And it's something we must always look forward to. Something we must always look forward to. I always look forward to being in church. Um, yes, we come to worship, but also the fact that um, our physical interactions are also very important. Praise God. Um, today, by God's grace, we will be looking into God's word, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, um, let's see from verse 46. Um, basically, it's just, um, it's just to charge us up. It, it's more of an exhortation. Luke chapter 6, let's see from verse 46. But why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the, on the sand or on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the rain of that house was great. Praise God. Let's see Luke chapter 13. And we'll come back to chapter 6. Luke chapter 13, let's see from verses 22 to 26. 22. And he went into the cities and villages teaching. He went into the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where did you come from? Then you will say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you even taught in our streets. Hallelujah. What I, where I'm actually going is that, is that last, um, last verse, verse 26. Okay, so verse 26. So those guys will say to him, the guys who are outside after the door has been shut, they said they will say to him, Lord, but we drank and ate in your presence. We were even there when you were preaching, when you taught on our streets. So we heard you speak. We heard your, your, your words. We were there. We were present in church. Hallelujah. We were part of your congregation. But he's going to say to those guys, um, I do not know you. Where have you come from? I, I do not know you. Praise God. Let's go back to that Luke chapter 6. So he said in Luke chapter 6 that, he gave us two types of people. Um, he said, why do you call me Lord? And calling him Lord talks about um, people who, who claim to recognize his lordship. People who claim to submit to him. People who claim to know him. People who have you know, we call him our Lord and Savior. But, but the term Lordship um, connotes somebody with ultimate authority. So if, if you're calling him Lord, in you are inadvertently saying that this person has ultimate authority. 
that this person has unquestionable authority and rights. Praise God. When, when lawyers go to the court and they stand before the judge, they call him my Lord. The implication of my Lord is that in this court, the judge's word is final. Hallelujah. In that particular court, no matter the level of that court, magistrates, um, customary, high court, at that level, the decision of the judge is final. The judge has ultimate authority in that place. When he's in that place, he can do no wrong. Even if he has done wrong. Do you understand? But in that place, he can do no wrong. If you are not satisfied with his decision, you appeal to a higher court. When you go to the higher court, in that place, the courts of those higher, the judges in those higher courts also have ultimate authority until you take your appeal to the Supreme Court. And when you get to the Supreme Court, whatever the Supreme Court decides is final. Whether you like it or not. Your, only, your next appeal goes to the court of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. After the Supreme Court, nowhere else to go. So it doesn't matter whether or not the judges were compromised. The moment they pronounce judgment, whether you like it, whether it is favorable, whether you think they heard in law, that, that becomes just an opinion. Praise God. Are we together this morning? It becomes just an opinion because after the Supreme Court, you just appeal to God that, okay, I leave you to God. I leave you to God because there's nowhere else to go as far as man is concerned. That's final. And that's, that's the implication or that's the understanding of lordship. So these are people, he said, so these guys call him Lord. What he's saying that you call me Lord. You give me an impression that I have ultimate authority. You give me an impression that I have the final say over your affairs. Or that whatever I say is your bound. You are bound by everything I say. But at the same time, you disobey. At the same time, you don't hearken to my words. At the same time, you don't do the things I say. So why are you calling me Lord? Are we together this morning? Why are you calling me Lord? That also says to me that those who are qualified to call him Lord are those who have set their hearts to walk in obedience. Praise God. So it is not just enough to receive instruction. It is not just enough to hear his words. We must take the next step to what? To obedience. Because the, the proof that he is Lord is that we yield to him. The proof that he is Lord over us is that we submit to him. Hallelujah. If we are not yielding, if we are not submissive, if we are not giving him the final say, we are just mouthing, Lord, Lord, like these guys. It's just words, empty words. Hallelujah. So why do you call me Lord and do not the things which I say? Verse 47. It says, whoever comes to me and hears my saying, and does them. Remember the people we read about in Luke chapter 13. He said, we drank and hurt in your presence. If it, maybe in those days, like, maybe they were, I don't know, maybe they were at Cana of Galilee, where Jesus turned water to wine, and they partied together, they had a good time at the wedding, and all that. Maybe they stumbled, or they walked into places where Jesus, I mean, um, he fed the 5,000. He fed the 3,000. Maybe they were part of that congregation. Hallelujah. Maybe they were part of that congregation. We ate and drank in your presence. 
You even preached on our street. We heard you. We heard you. We listened to you. But we would say to those people, depart from me. I don't know you. Where did you come from? Hallelujah. So he said, whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man. Verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Now, it, it also means that our obedience to the word, our obedience to the speakings of God, is, is us building our life upon the rock, upon an unshakable foundation. Why? Because the house here talks about building your life. It's, it's about the affairs of your life. You are the one building your life by your obedience. Praise God. So when you hear the word and you obey, when you read the word and you obey, you know, I told us, I think either Wednesday or on Sunday, I told us that the proof that you have believed is that you have adopted God's position. Did you get that? I told us that if you say you believe, the evidence that you believe, what you have to show that you have believed is that you have adopted God's position on that particular matter. So if God says this phone, if God says this phone is, is a book, the fact, the proof that you have believed God that this is a book is that you have adopted God's position that this is a book. Now, your logic, your reasoning, by your knowledge and all of that, you can argue, and that's fine. When you are still arguing, you have not come to believing. Praise God. When you are still arguing, when you have arguments, you have not come to believing. When you come to believing, it means I'm adopting God's position. And that position... You know, I told us that God has a position. There's no issue on which God is neutral. God has a position on every matter. It is our responsibility to find out God's position on the matter and line up with it. Whether it is favorable to us or it is not favorable. Favorable in the sense of whether it is what we want. Do you understand? Because sometimes God's instructions or God's position may not always be what we want. It may not always be what we want. But we have a responsibility, if we say he is Lord, we have a responsibility to align with his position. Praise God. So he said, this man that hears my word and obeys and heeds my instructions, he said he's like a man building his life and that man is digging deep. Your obedience is you digging deep. Is you strengthening your foundation. Is you strengthening your conviction in the will of God. You are digging deep. You are building values. You are building, you are building uh, 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 principles that will last. You are building conviction. You are strengthening your resolve by your obedience. Hallelujah. He said, he dug deep and laid the foundation upon the rock. Upon the rock. And when we talk about the rock, the rock speaks of Christ. Hallelujah. Scripture told, tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it said Christ was the rock that followed them in the wilderness. It said we are, we are, we, we are founded upon the foundation of, of the apostles and the prophets. Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So when we talk of the rock, we are talking of Christ. So the man who listens, who reads, who comes across the world, who listens to the world, and, and his heart or her heart is set on obedience, is a man or a woman who is building his life on the rock. You are building the foundation of your life inside the rock. What is going to happen is that when you are done 
doing that, he said, when the flood arose, it is not if the flood would come. It is not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. Whether you like it or not, you are going to see the flood. You are going to see the wind. There's going to be storm. As you go through life, you would, you would, because life is in phases, you would, you would enter, you would get to different phases of life. It will not all be rosy. Jesus did not promise that. In fact, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And because he overcame, we will also overcome. Why? Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We have an overcoming faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have a faith that overcomes the world. So he said that man is building his house upon the rock. And when the flood arose, when the wind came, when difficult time came, the house stood firm. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. That man built his marriage on the rock, living by the principle of God's word. Let's see verse 49. We'll come back to that. But he who heard and did nothing. So it is also possible to hear and do nothing. Praise God. Hello, are we together? It is also possible to what? To hear and do nothing. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm praying that that will not be our case. Because there is a lot of hearing but little doings. Little doings. God is looking for doers. If we, um, let's, let, we'll come back to this place. Let's quickly go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 um, from verse 22. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Be ye doers. God is looking for doers. God is looking for practitioners of the word. God is looking for people who will receive the word on a Sunday, then go Monday to Saturday, leaving the word. Praise God. Because it is, it is very easy to hear, and the word is everywhere now. In fact, when you go on social media, you see all, all kinds. Sound bites, I mean, plenty things, many of them, Meaningless, many of them not helpful. Hallelujah. There is a lot of hearing. Let us do. Let us find grace to do as much as we hear. Praise God. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we can be hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing if we are not doing if obedience is not commensurate to, to the level of light and revelation that God has given to us, it says we are deceiving our own selves. We are just living in deception. We are the people calling him Lord. Lord. Yet we are not doing what he has told us. Praise God. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, so I'm sure we, we are seeing parallels between, between James and Luke. We are seeing the parallel. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, James is also, is also comparing this person to a man. Luke compared to a man building a house, right? Hallelujah. Now James is saying, the man who hears and does not do is also like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Observing his natural face in the mirror, he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He observes himself in the mirror. So the word reveals to him the kind of man he is, 
But that man goes away, immediately forgets what the word said. Immediately forgets what he was taught. Immediately forgets what he heard. Hallelujah. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. So that man does not just look. He continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. A doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And as translation says, this one will be blessed indeed. This one will have the seal of God's approval. It will have the seal of God's approval. Okay, but he who looks carefully to the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but becomes an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. Hallelujah. My challenge this morning is, is I want to steer us onto obedience. That's what I'm trusting God to help us accomplish. That we would come to a point where we know that it is not just enough. It is not just enough to hear. The only way we will make known the fragrance of Christ in the head is not just by hearing, it's by doing. It's by doing. Praise God. It's by doing, it's by living the life, it's by living a life that corresponds to the truth that we have received. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to, to Luke chapter 6. So the man that hears, so in this, in, this, in this James chapter 1, the man that looks at himself in a mirror, when you look at yourself in a mirror, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to make adjustments. The adjustment you are making is your obedience. So when, you, when you're studying the word and maybe you're reading about forgiveness or you're listening to a message on forgiveness. And yes, somebody hurt you and hurt you so bad. Hurt you so bad. The expectation of God, as that word is coming, is that you are making up your mind to forgive. Even though it may not be easy, but as the word is coming, and that the, you're, you're, you're remembering the pain, you're remembering the hurt, and even though you swore, that nah, no, 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 this one I'm not going to forgive you. But the revelation of God's word came. And you know in your heart, ah, okay, this word is for me. God is actually speaking to me. Even though you are in pain, even though you are hurting, but in your heart you are saying to the Lord, ah, God, this is so painful, but I receive grace to forgive. Help me. I'm, I'm, I'm receiving grace to forgive. I let go. I let go. I'm receiving. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a heart that is yielded. That's a heart that is set on obedience. Now, it does not mean that you would get there immediately. But you are receiving. You find out that as you begin to commit that situation into God's hand, because your heart is set on obedience, you would find the release of grace. And you see that you can actually let go. Why? Because you are responding to the word. Scripture says the word of God is living and active. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It is alive. When the word of God comes, the word of God is not dead. The word of God is active. The word of God is alive. The word of God can engage your heart and engage your situation. When you bring, it says the word of God is alive. When you bring the word of God into any situation, that situation can come alive. You can superimpose the word of God on any situation and that situation can receive life. Dead acts can receive life by virtue of the word of God. By virtue of an encounter with the word. We saw it with Saul. Saul was on a killing spree. Praise God. He was on a killing spree persecuting the church. Persecuting the church. He even got notice, even got approval from from the high priest to go in prison and probably kill Christians in Damascus. And on his way, he met the Lord. The word of God was revealed to him. 
He said he saw a light brighter than the noonday sun. Revelation came. And when he met the Lord, he said, Who art thou, Lord? That same soul with a dead heart. You know, he referred to himself. He said, I am the least among the saints. He said, I am the chief of all sinners. But that same man, an encounter with the word, turned his life around. He became one of the greatest apostles. Praise God. I'm saying to us this morning that the word of God can be that powerful in our life if we let it, if we yield to it. If we yield to it. Praise God. The word of God, see, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture, all scripture, not some, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The word is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for instruction. So in the word, the word contains instructions. Such instructions that if you live by those instructions, you're going to become a different type of man. You are going to become a type of man whose description would be the man that builds his house on the rock. Praise God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. So yes, in the world, you would find reproof. The word will, you would, you would see the word at times, you would receive the word, and the word will rebuke you, and you will feel bad. And yes, because the word, the word will confront your heart. You know, the, we, the things we are hiding away, the things we are, the things we are trying to say, okay, God, don't touch this part, or you are not ready now, the word of God will confront it. The word is very, truth is, that's why sometimes they say truth is bitter. Why? Because it is not, it is not always enjoyable. But the word does not care. The word does not care. What matters is truth. What matters is transformation of the heart. Because that is what God wants to achieve. Hallelujah. So the word is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for correction. So it, do, it does not only show you what is wrong, it also shows you what is right. So it tells you what to do. So it tells you this is wrong and this is what you should do. You, you read in Colossians where it would say, put off the hold man. But you are not just putting off the hold man, you will now say put on the new man. So as you are putting off the hold man, you must be putting on the new man. So that you are not, you, you, cannot, you cannot be left naked. Praise God. As you are shedding the old man, you are imbibing the new creation. You are imbibing the new man that you are in Christ. So the word is profitable for correction. It is also profitable for instruction in righteousness. What is the essence of all these four activities of the word? That the man of God may be perfect. Perfect means mature. That the man of God may be mature, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Who is the man of God? That man of God is you. Praise God. There is no man of God anywhere. The man of God is not the one on the pulpit. The man of God is the one that is imbibing Christ. Whether he's on the pulpit or he's on the pew, or is in the workplace. That's the man. That's God's man. The man that is changing. The man in whose heart transformation is taking place. The man that is daily conforming to the image of Christ. The man that is, that is putting to, to, to death self on a daily basis. The man that is committed to the will of God. That is the man of God. And the man does not need to hold a microphone. Hallelujah. So you are the man of God. The, the, the whole essence of scripture, 
the whole essence of the word we are receiving is what? To be thoroughly furnished. To be made whole. To be made complete in all the will of God. We are not yet whole. We are not yet complete. The whole essence is to bring us to the estate that Christ is. So we are conforming to the image of, of Christ. From Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We are conforming. Verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world. You are changing. You are changing. But be ye transformed. Metamorphosis. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. So you are giving attention. You are giving yourself to the word for the renewal of your mind. Renewal of your mind means that the mind is changing, is transforming. Christ is conquering new grounds. And the old man is giving way. Old attitudes are giving way. Old behaviors are giving way. Christ is gaining more ground. Praise God. And it is our responsibility to expose ourselves, to give ourselves to the word. It is our responsibility to ensure that the word takes root. Praise God. It is our responsibility to root out everything that ought not to be. It is our responsibility to create room for the world. It is your responsibility. It is our responsibility to give attention to the world. On Wednesday, we're talking about cares of this life and all that. And we saw the, 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 the story of um, the, the parable of, um, of the sower. It said some, some seed fell among thorns. Yes, even though it sprang up, it was growing, but it said the thorns choked the word and it became unprofitable. The thorns choked the word. When you are a farmer, it is your responsibility to root out the weed. Praise God. There is no heart that is empty. There is no what? There is no heart that is empty. Your land cannot just lie fallow. If you are not activate, if you are not actively cultivating the life of the spirit, if you are not active, actively cultivating life in the spirit, the flesh will catch up. Thorns and briars will grow on your land. Praise God. What did I say? If you are not actively planting the seed of God's word upon your heart, if you are not doing that deliberately, conscientiously, thorns and briars will grow on that land. And what will it do? It will choke the word. It will share nutrients with the word such that the word you have received will become unfruitful. You would be like one that never had an encounter with the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In that same land, in that same field of your heart, where faith is supposed to be growing, you'll find out that it is fear that is growing. You'll see unbelief growing. You'll see roots of bitterness springing up. You will see worldliness and carnality taking root. And you are wondering where this thing is coming from. It is because you have not been cultivating. You have not been giving attention. You have not been cultivating your ground actively. You have left your land exposed and unattended to. Praise God. So we, we must take responsibility. We must, we must take responsibility for the word, you know, that has been revealed and has been given to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, go back to James chapter 1. Or are we done with James? Okay, I think we are done with James. Go back to Luke chapter 6. Verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation. So you are just building on sand. And it really doesn't matter that you come to church every day or every Sunday and every Wednesday. 
if you are not doing, if you are not giving attention to doing, if you are not giving attention to deliberately cultivating life in the spirit, you are building on sand and you are just like any other person out there. Praise God. Against which the flood, the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the rain of that house was great. So, the same conditions happened to the two houses. So, you know, I said it that it is a matter of when, not if. Whether you like it or not, storms will come, challenges will come, the wind will blow. Praise God. But what will determine whether you stand or fall is where you are building. Is the, the principles you are living by. How much, how much God, how much substances of eternal life that you have taken and has become a part of your soul. Praise God. Because the days of trouble will come. In the day of trouble for the house built on sand, when it came, the flood beat upon it, the wind beat upon it, and it says immediately it fell. It gave way. It gave way. Why? Because it had no foundation. It had no foundation. The foundation determines the strength of the building. If you're going to build a high rise, then your foundation, you, in fact, you would do piling. You would, you would dig deep. You would, go and, you, would, you would dig deep and deep and deep and deep. Why? Because the structure that God wants to build on, you want to build on that foundation, is massive. Praise God. For those of us who, who understand farming, the, the flood and the wind that would carry Agbado, the wind and the flood that will carry your maize plantation and would, and would devastate your farmland. When that same wind and flood comes upon a plantation, say a cocoa plantation or a plantation of maogani, the thing just passes. You say, okay, yes, it came, but there was nothing. Why? Root. Foundation. Hallelujah. Root. Foundation. Goes back to the story of the sower. The, 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 the seed that fell on the rocky place, he said because it had little head, very little. How many of us have seen a maize plant before? So the foundation is very shallow. I mean, you can, you can be going on the road and just pull it off. You can just pull it out. Why? Because it is not founded. It is not rooted and grounded. Go and try it with a mango tree. What's the difference? Root. Found, because root is foundation. The, 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 the roots of the mango tree or the cocoa tree or any other tree that would stand, the roots have, they've gone far and wide. They've, they've taken root. They've grown, they've, grown, they've grown deep down. And because they've grown deep down, the things that will shake uh, the maize plant and probably you are just going, maybe you are not even happy that day. Wait this one, pam. And the thing is half and dead. It is root. It is root. So like that man, we must be people digging the foundation, strengthening the foundation. Strengthening the foundation, paying attention, paying attention, giving ourselves to the word of God. Giving ourselves to obedience. Giving a, your obedience is the proof of your commitment. Praise God. Your obedience is the proof of your commitment. It's not just enough to say these things. We must see it. We must do it. We must be practitioners of faith. We must be practitioners of the word. It says if we are hearers and not doers, if we are hearers only and not doers, we are just deceiving ourselves. And that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we have to be people living by the word. Living by the word. 
receiving instructions, receiving instructions and pattern make our lives a pattern. We are drawing patterns from the word. What did the word say on this matter? Because people are living, people are living, even believers are living anyhow now. Praise God. In fact, in a place, scripture says, scripture says they made the word of God of no effect by their traditions. So people exalt traditions above the word. I think I, think I wrote that scripture. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Let's read from verse 6. From verse 6. He answered. Verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? So, I mean, these guys, um, they will do everything physically, everything they needed to do. They were the same guys who would go and pray in public places to be seen of men. They were the ones who would do their harms in public and all of that. They were just showing. They were... You know what they call shekari me? Sorry if you don't understand Yoruba. Who can help me interpret? They were just <laughs> eye service. Well, me, you are not serious. Eye service. <laughs> they were just doing eye service. Hallelujah. They they knew they knew the actions. They knew the right things to do, but the things they were doing had no impact on the heart. Praise God. The heart was not changing. They, was just, they were just walking. They were just doing things on the surface. Eye service. So these guys, before they hurt, they would wash their hands. And it is good. Praise God. They would wash their hands. But the, you see, those injunctions, those things add a deeper meaning. It was a call to purity and cleansing. Hallelujah. But they were just doing the physical rituals. The, 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 the whole thing, that practice had lost its meaning. Praise God. So they, were say, they, so they saw him one day and accosted him. Jesus, uh, you, you call yourself a man of God. How come your disciples just eat with their hands unwashed? Praise God. So verse 6. Then he answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, these people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. So yes, they make a proclamation that they know God and they do things that show that they know God, but the heart is far. The knowledge of God is not in the heart. Praise God. The, the lips proclaim, Lord, Lord, but the heart does not seek to obey the Lord. Praise God. In fact, they were even the same guys that crucified him. So, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other things, many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. So these guys came to a point where they esteemed their tradition, they esteemed their rituals above the word of God, above the knowledge of God. Praise God. Verse, verse, verse 10. Let's, let's go on quickly. For Moses said, now he gave them an example of, of the wrong thing they were doing as a part of their tradition. That even though they were doing this thing as tradition, yet they were dishonoring God's word. Moses said to you, honor your father and your mother. And he who causes father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. Verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down and many such things you do. 
So Coban is, they had an injunction, honor your father and your mother. Part of honoring your father and your mother includes that um, you support them, especially in their old age. Um, you're giving them something, you're giving a gift, you're probably sending money to them. But these guys, these scribes and Pharisees, they push this thing to a point that when a man, what a man has set aside to give his father or mother, the gift that is supposed to go to the father or the mother, when that man says, ah, this thing is Koban, Koban means, ah, I've, ded I've dedicated this gift to, I've dedicated it to God. So, what you are supposed to give in honor to your father and your mother, instead of giving it to them, you say it's a gift, so you set it aside and give it to God instead. And they have maintained, now, it is, they are doing those things not because of the love of God. They, they endorsed it, the scribes and Pharisees, because they were in charge of the gifts. They were the ones collecting the, you know. So it's like enriching themselves and feeding fat on all of these things. Do you understand? It looks like today's church. <laughs> it looks like, yes now. So feeding fat. And Jesus rebuked them that these things you are collecting is illegal. Why? Because you are enriching yourself at the expense of that man keeping the word, keeping the commandment that said he should honor his father and his mother. Rather than you collecting this, this thing as Coban, you should have rejected it and go and give it to your parents. But I said you have, by your tradition, you have made the word of God of no effect. You have esteemed, you have esteemed your tradition above the commandments of God. And we see that today. Believers, praise God. We hold on to our traditions, especially in this part of the world, and we have some traditions that are very bad. But have you seen people that when they want to get married, and it's still happening in Nigeria, they will tell you, ah, eh, in our village or in our family, the wife or the wife-to-be must get pregnant first. Have you heard such things? Do you know that there are, you know, there, there are certain things that when they say it, you don't need to think twice. You just cancel and walk away. Red, we call it red flag. Are we together? Praise God. But do you know that there, there are believers who would consider, who would give that in a thought? Who would, give it a, who would give it a thought? And they would, ah, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. They, traditions. In a place where you're supposed to stand your ground, and if you are the man, oh, God help you. You are even more responsibilities on you. That, oh, in your, in your family line, or your village, or in your tribe, or whatever, your tradition, your place, your village people, is that, oh, the, the, the wife has to be pregnant before we can do the wedding so that we are sure and all of those things. And you are a child of God. And you are, you are saying you are confused, you don't know what to do. No, now. We suppose flog you. Yes. Yes. Because that tradition must be subject to the word of God. That's a place to put your foot on the ground. Ah, sorry. Okay. It's, I'm a changed man. In the new culture that I subscribe to, this does not work. Yes, it may be challenging, you'd, but eventually you will prevail. That's the truth. Because some of those things need to change. There are some culture that if, if um, the wife is like a property. She has no rights in the home. When the if the husband passes, the the husband's family will come and carry everything. She has no right. Those things have to stop. Praise God. But we have people, we have believers who are so carried away by tradition and culture. The reason why that is happening is because people have not been cultured by the kingdom. They have not been cultured by the word. Their hearts, 
their hearts are not submissive to the word. They are hearers. But the, the, the reason for speaking is, I told us before, the reason for speaking, the reason why God speaks is to reveal his will, is to reveal his purpose, is to reveal his counsel, is to reveal his position over the matter. When God has revealed his position, when God has revealed his will, every other thing does not matter. Why? Because you call him Lord. And because you call him Lord, it means you are saying his authority is final. His word is final. So he said, those, word, those people made the word of God of no effect because of their tradition. Because of their tradition. Esteeming their tradition above the word of God. Those are part of the things that God said we must cast down. In 2 um, Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, I think, 4 to 6. Casting down imaginations and every high thing. Those are part of those things. Traditions and culture that does not align with kingdom culture must come down. Ways of life, positions that do not align with kingdom culture, positions that do not align with God's position, mindset that do not align with, with God's mindset on the issue, those things must come down. Why? Because the command of God, the word of God must be supreme over all. That is when he is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People also live, apart from tradition, people, people just pattern their life and live by what is in vogue, what is trending. Social media, there's a social media culture now. I mean, that's, you, you want to belong. You want to, to be seen as, as um, you are in touch, you are in vogue, you are relevant, you are, you are up and trending, you know what's going on. Hallelujah. And you are seeking the validation of men at the expense of the validation of God. And in places where you are supposed to speak up, you are quiet. Why? Because you don't want them to look at you somehow. Are we together this morning? You don't want them to look at you somehow. You don't want them to... Eh, ah, sister, brother. No, 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 no. We must begin to take we must be able we must begin to defend the values we esteem. We must begin to defend our conviction. We must begin to defend our values, the value system of the kingdom. The value system of the kingdom. We must begin to defend them and project them. And project them. Hallelujah. Israel rejected the word. Israel disobeyed God's word. And God rejected them. Sent them to slavery. He said in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. He said because they rejected him. He rejected them and they rejected the wisdom of God. Why? Because the word of God is the wisdom by which we live. When you are rejecting God's word and you are not giving attention to it, it means you are not giving attention to wisdom. You are denying yourself of the wisdom of God. You are denying yourself of the wisdom by which you can live life on a daily basis. Praise God. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do the things which I say? Let's, let's quickly see, as we begin to round up, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, 27 to 28. Luke 11, 27 to 28. And it happened as he spoke. <laughs> oh, goodness. So Jesus was speaking at, in a particular place, and he spoke... He spoke so well. I'm sure the woman was so blessed. And said, as he spoke these things, a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, More, Yes, 
the womb is blessed that bore me. But more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Hallelujah. Blessed are who? Those who hear the word and keep it. Keeping it is taking God, taking ownership, defending it. It becomes your life. It becomes, it becomes your treasure that, that you watch over. It becomes your treasure that you watch over. Much more than that, blessed are those who, are, who hear the word and keep it. This is from Jesus. We've seen Paul, we've seen James. Now we've heard from Jesus. He said, he who loves me will keep my commandments. The proof of your love, the proof of your commitment is that you're keeping his word. You are a keeper of God's word. You are a doer of the things you have heard. You are a doer of the things that, that he has spoken to you. So you are not just coming to church to mark attendance, to mark scripts. Now, if I don't come, they will call me. Why didn't you come? We didn't see you in church. No, 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 no. Our service must go far beyond that. We, we shouldn't even be talking of that at this level any longer. That you are coming to church because you don't want pastor to call you or somebody to... No, and it must, it must also go beyond because it is Sunday. No, no. We must begin to show commitment and give commitment to the world. To show our love for the Lord by our obedience, by our commitment, by our yielding, by our changing. Praise God. We are changing. We are changing. We are changing. First John chapter 3 verse 7 says, little children. First John chapter 3 verse 7 Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And I know we have, we have taught in this place righteousness of God imputed um, by the preaching and the believing of the word, how we have been declared righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as it is, we are righteous. Why? Because righteousness has been imputed by virtue of the finished works of Christ. That's valid. That is our legal status. Praise God. By virtue of your believing in the finished work of Christ, God declared you righteous. You are justified by faith. You are righteous. Praise God. But it must go beyond the legal. It must become what? Experiential. It must become a behavior. So the righteousness in our spirit must translate to righteousness in our soul. It must translate to righteousness in our, in our actions. Praise God. So he said, let no one deceive you. Yes, you are righteous. But there is a second level. That it is not just righteousness by legal standing. Or just based on the finished works. Which is valid. But he that doeth righteousness. So there is an expectation that yes, now that you are righteous, you must begin to practice righteousness. Hallelujah. That's the expectation of God. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness. We must become practitioners of righteousness. Doers of righteousness. In your office, you are a doer of righteousness. In your, in, your, in your home, in your family, you are doing righteousness. You are showing them righteousness. You are showing them right behaviors. And that right behavior is proceeding out of a changed act. That's where it is coming from. That, that right behavior is powered by, by, by a changed heart, by the divine life within. And from that place, you are doing right things. And what, what is righteousness? Righteousness is anything that God declares right. That's your righteousness. If God says this is right, then that's what you must do. 
That's what you must do. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's a challenge. Our challenge this morning is to do the word. To take it a step further beyond, beyond hearing. Beyond attendance. Beyond reading. Beyond studying. We must begin to imbibe. We must begin to build our lives upon. The word must become the foundation upon which we build every other thing. The world must become the foundation upon which you build your life, you build your career, upon which you raise your children, upon which you, you, you do your marriage. The world has preeminence. The world has final say. The world becomes final authority over your life, over anything and everything you do. As long as God has taken a position, that becomes your position. And that is God's expectation for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we begin to do that, we're going to be seeing transformation. We're going to be seeing God's intervention in, in ways we have never seen before. Why? Because we are proving that we believe the word. We are proving, we are showing our commitment to God. And God will begin to see the intervention of God. We begin to see the hand of God in ways we have never seen before. Praise the living Jesus. And finally this morning, we need to shut down every other voice. Praise God. We need to shut down every other thing that is speaking. We need to shut down every other voice that is speaking other than the voice of God. Every voice speaking contrary. You see, esteeming the word and living by the word also means that you hold on to your identity in God. Praise God. It means that you are saying, I am who God says I am. And I, don't, I will not live short of that name. I will not live short of that identity. See, if God has called you blessed, you better start claiming it and live blessed. It is, it is not humility to that that God has, has called you by a name. And you are, no, ah, no, I'm not there. Mm -mm. You better start honing that name. You better start owning that identity. Praise God. Own your identity in God. That is also a proof that you believe. And begin to live up to your name. Begin to live as he has called you. If he has called you blessed, if he has called you prosperous, if he has called you... Anything he has called you is what you are. Hallelujah. Whatever he has called you is what you are. And you must bear that name. You must bear that identity. You must own up to it. You must, you must claim it as yours. And, 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 and strive to fulfill that which God has called you, called, called, called you into. You must fulfill the name with which he has called you. Can we rise on our feet this morning and talk to God? He has called us by his name. And we will live up to that name. He has put glory and honor upon us. And we will live, we'll live up to that name. We will live We'll live in honor. We'll bring honor and glory to him. He has called us by a new name. He has called us by the name of his son. He has given us a brand new identity. And we are going to live by that name. We are going to be everything that he ordained us to be. We are going to be everything that he has called us to be. Can we just respond to the Lord this morning? Can we, can we receive grace again this morning to walk in obedience? Um, um, Mary came to the disciples and she told them, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. And that is the avenue for the miraculous. 
Our obedience is the avenue for the miraculous. Our obedience is the avenue by which we see the intervention of God. Our obedience is the avenue by which God engages our situation. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Can we, can we receive grace again this morning for obedience? Can we receive capacity for obedience? Can we receive strength in our hearts, in places where we have failed, in, in places where we have failed instructions, where we have failed commandments? Can we ask God for grace again to stand in the name of Jesus that would go back into such places and fulfill the word of God? We would be people building our, building our homes, building our, our life upon the rock, digging deep, digging solid foundation, digging solid foundation, strengthening our resolve, strengthening our commitment, strengthening our foundation in God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we will show our commitment by our obedience. We will show our love for the Lord by our obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. In the name of Jesus, Lord, this morning as a church and as individuals, more than ever before, again, we receive capacity for obedience. We receive grace to keep commandments, to show our love to show our love we would not just call you lord lord and not do the things you say but in the name of jesus our lordship will be proven by our obedience our your lordship over us will be proven by the quality of our, of our lives in the name of jesus and the places we go to in our offices and the way we run our businesses we will show forth the lordship of jesus that people will see us and say yes there is a Lord over him in the name of Jesus that you would, you would show forth as our Lord by our interactions people will see, people would know in the name of Jesus we yield our hearts, we yield our hearts we submit ourselves again to you this morning in the name of Jesus we yield our hearts to the Lord we yield our hearts to the Lord we submit our hearts to the Lord in the name of Jesus Maraka Shantalamusi Faradamushaya